Welcome to another edition of the official Jets podcast. Minicamp is in the books, training camp about a month away, and next time the Jets are on the field, probably not the opening day of training camp, but the pads will come on, which is when the real test is for the Jets. What is it about now, 30 to 40 days or something before the start of training camp? Probably a four-day acclimation period, like you said, before the pads do come on, and it's going to be interesting to see how the players use this time off because Robert Sala is always talking about investments and also how can you better yourself every single day. Now that they're away from one jet stride, that's going to be up to each individual. And I know that there's not like a whole lot that you can take out of being in shorts and a T-shirt, but it's what we have to go off. So let's talk about what's transpired here at minicamp. How about let's just start with a couple of players who have – Actually, before we get to that, let's just talk about Zach Wilson, right? right? I mean, I have, yeah, that's what guys want to know, right? That's what everybody wants to know who's tuning into this podcast. And if you're a Jets fan, you want to know how number two is performing on the field. And I would say you have to take it with a grain of salt because the pads aren't on yet. But I think so far he's checked most boxes. Well, weren't you impressed the other day when Greg Knapp, the Jets passing game specialist, and Michael Fleur, of course, the team's offensive coordinator, talked about Wilson? Just the yeah. intelligence that he brings to the table. Knapp, who's been in the league for, shoot, near 30 years, and he's worked with a lot of good quarterbacks along the way, said that he doesn't make the same mistakes twice. And then LaFleur said here later on during um, mandatory minicamp, and they might have done this during OTAs, is that they had a lot of unscripted periods for that Zach cool. Wilson. So, I mean, that just shows that – they kept on throwing a lot at his plate, and he's got that attitude where he can't get enough. Um, so he's a quarterback who's extremely gifted physically. There's no doubt about that. But what potentially could set him apart down the line is that I think he's got a really unique hunger for the game, and he's also really intelligent. And what I really liked about what Zach Wilson said when he was asked, well, what are you going to do in your break? You know, are you going to take time away from football? Because you've spent essentially from his last game against UCF where he lit up UCF in his bowl game. Oh, yeah. Then you have the draft process. Then rookie minicamp, OTAs, minicamp. Like, it's been nonstop. So are you going to get away from football? He said, well, I kind of think like watching film is my time away from football where you give your legs a rest, but you're still getting after it mentally. And he said that he was planning on organizing something with, I assume, the other quarterbacks on the team, Mike White and James Morgan right now, and the skill players to have a throwing session in at some point between now, June 17th, and the beginning of training camp. Yeah, does that surprise you at all? Just like listening no, to no him but, but I like it. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, I wasn't being sarcastic that just fits who he is, is that he can't get enough and he loves ball, as the guys like to say. And that's definitely accurate. And uh, I like too, on the field out there, LaFleur was asked the other day, it seems like you're taking more shots down the field. And he, and he was like, well, that wasn't actually part of the script. It's just kind of the way the defense was playing, on, playing us. We saw the cornerbacks, the defensive backs squatting a little bit, so we started throwing the ball down the field. And where Wilson continued to shine is his accuracies. You know, what did you think about it? Shorts and T-shirts, and we'll continue to come back on that. Uh, but 
like he said, for a quarterback, he doesn't feel like it's much difference because the rush is coming, the coverage in the back end, you're seeing different things and different looks. You got to go through your progressions. You got to get the ball out quickly, even in those practices. And he just showed a great touch with the football. I thought that I was very impressed. I thought that he had an impressive spring is, is where I'll start. And I, I know, and we'll continue to harp on it, like you said, shorts and a T-shirt, not the full thing just quite yet. But I thought he showed good ball placement, mm. touch, velocity when he needed it. And I really thought that, you know, there were a couple of plays where you're like, oh, you know, I don't really know what you were looking at on that one. But I think that's to be expected. And I thought that he looked very comfortable considering that he's a rookie in a what is a complex system. And I thought that he was quite impressive to me, and I'm interested to see if anything changes when the pads come on or not because there have been guys in the past who have been extremely productive in the spring, and I'm not saying this is going to happen to Wilson, but that player that I'm referencing was not productive in training camp and didn't make the team. Okay. Listen, here's the thing is that for Wilson – it can't come fast enough, meaning like he's going to drop back in the, in the pocket and he wants to go through those progressions very quick. And for him, he wants to do less thinking. And some of what we saw on the field was him thinking, but him being frustrated, myself and you did not notice it. If you came to practice, you would say, this guy delivers like a veteran quarterback. There were not a lot of times where he was just scanning the field and the ball wasn't coming out. But right. for him, he was going slow. So, again, I love what LaFleur said the other day, too. We saw them work a lot in the red zone. And speaking of timing, the quarterback position is so complicated. There's so many steps involved. And he said that something that they didn't talk to Wilson about was changing your drops right. but he inherently knew that down there in the red zone I even have less time so I have to change my drops and that's not something that Greg Knapp and LaFleur talked to him about he naturally did it on his own yeah I think I've been very impressed with the athlete of Zach Wilson <laughs> right and you know we haven't seen him do like a whole lot right we haven't seen him like play basketball I know a lot of people have talked about his prowess on the hardwood but we haven't seen that but you can just tell that there's a natural feel for the position and just being an athlete under center. And, you know, one guy that I think that we should talk about a little bit is Jamison Crowder. And Zach Wilson hasn't thrown to Jamison Crowder, but Jamison Crowder is a quarterback-friendly target everywhere he's been, whether that's here in New York or with Washington. And Jamison was here for mandatory minicamp, and then he was – acclimating right like yeah. all, all the guys that showed up for mandatory camp like Sheldon Rankins and Marcus May Jameson Crowder they didn't partake in team drills or seven on seven they were in the acclimation period but with Crowder this wide receivers room is very deep right now and I'm just curious your take on how Crowder fits in because he's a very good player well just take what Robert Salas said, that we anticipate that he's going to continue to do what he's done throughout his career, which is make plays. And as far as the receiving group as a whole, before we get a little bit more into Crowder, it's probably the most improved position group on the roster. Uh, you can say that without even playing a game. I know we'll get to Elijah Moore. He's dynamic. 
Uh, Corey Davis only took a few team reps out there, like you said about the acclimation period, but he is a big body target um, who views himself as a number one receiver. Braxton Berrios, the 10 was getting a ball all over the place throughout the spring. Um, Denzel Mims, you can't forget about him. He really flashed that last day of mandatory minicamp. But listen, Crowder is a crafty player uh, who can beat man, who can find a hole in the zone. And after renegotiating his contract with the team, he didn't come in here and sulk. He just said, this is a business. Yeah, I might have been a little bit surprised by it, but he's ready to go. And he's also he also sounded very positive about the system, right? Because he sees similarities between what Mike LaFleur is running and what Jay Gruden ran in Washington. Right, and when Crowder was there, he, and he compared it to when he was on a team with Deshaun Jackson, Pierre Garçon, Jordan Reed, and others. He said, when you're in a system like that, like the one the Jets have, he said, everybody can eat. Yep. If you if you execute it right, and I think you bringing up Elijah Moore leads me to my next point is people. I think it is a, I think it is a common take that people say, oh well, Elijah Moore slot receiver, Jamison Crowder slot receiver. Well, if you listen to Michael Floor and Coach Sala talk about how Elijah Moore lines up outside, inside, they said, um, well, Michael Floor was saying how Miles Austin has done a great job. Miles Austin is the wide receivers coach mm-hmm. at the Jets course used to play in the league most notably for the Cowboys but he was saying that for Elijah Moore he lined him up at the X at the Z at the F which is the slot so I would I would say that there is definitely a situation or different packages or situations plural where Elijah Moore is on the outside which means that maybe you do have somebody like Crowder on the inside in a situation like that Oh, yeah, you have a lot of flexibility. You could go out there and have Corey Davis out there on the field with a Elijah Moore and a Jameson Crowder in the three-receiver set. That, that You could do that a lot, potentially. Um, and, again, we talk about Mims and Barrios, and there's a few other receivers. I'm, I did not even mention Keelan, Keelan Cole, who had a tremendous spring, has been mm-hmm. very productive himself throughout his NFL career, and the Jets like what he brings to the table. He's got a unique personality, likes to have a lot of fun on the football field, but we saw a lot of 88 out there, especially early in the spring. But you talk about position flexibility. The Jets think Moore can line up at the X, the Z, and the F. And they're also working him in a little bit at the punt return position. So that just speaks to this guy – makes things happen with the ball in his hands. And what do you think about this? I see a parallel between him and Zach Wilson. Not only have these guys established a really good bond and connection that you see translating to the field, but as far as their work ethic, because everybody talks about Wilson can't get enough. Well, they're saying the same thing about Elijah Moore. Yeah, I think it's a great point. And we've heard that from two different coordinators. Michael Floor said that Elijah Moore catches balls off the jugs machine at the indoor facility at like 7 in the morning. Brant Boyer says before that he's taking punt returns or punts off the jugs to try to get better at tracking the ball. That's what Brant Boyer was saying, that that's the next step in. You know, he really likes this, the talent there, but if you're a punt returner, you got to be sure-handed, and right now he's saying that Elijah Moore needs to improve his tracking the ball. Yeah, and so, you pointed to that at practice too, but – you wouldn't count against more no. uh, becoming good at that because 
there's very few things he can't do on the field. Yeah, I totally agree with that. <laughs> I'm excited to see what these rookies will do, not only with pads on, but once they start facing different competition. Because I, I would, it's hard to tell with Elijah Vera Tucker just because, you know, the pads aren't on and it's hard to evaluate offensive linemen in general, let alone without pads. But if you look at Zach Wilson, Elijah Moore, Michael Carter, and then you even think about some of the defensive guys, it feels like all of them have not only received a lot of reps, but they've all flashed at different times throughout the spring, which is an impressive, I think is impressive. Uh, you know, I hate to pump the brakes uh, because they haven't played any games. But, yeah, this is a talented draft class. These guys have great mindsets individually. Uh, and they're really talented ball players. You can see that even with the, the pads coming on. And that even you talked about throughout that draft class. Well, a, a couple of guys who are highly athletic, who I can't wait actually to see when the pads come on, are on the other side of the ball. And that's Hamza Nasruddin and also Jamie Sherwood. Yeah, me too. Ha listening to Jeff Ulbrich talk about those loves two. Him. Loves them, doesn't loves he? Loves them both. <laughs> Him talking about, well, first of all, he's talking about Sherwood, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, he, he's talking about how Jamie Sherwood has, like, a, an uncanny knack for the playbook considering where he is, and he's talking about how he has a command of the defense already. You know, he, he's not calling plays with C.J. Mosley out no. there, but if he's, the, if he's the next guy up, right, it seems like he's – like, I've seen him call plays in certain situations in minicamp. Sure. So it seems. So that's impressive. Then he's talking about Hamza – who has like the longest wingspan? I think of any. Uh, he might have the longest wingspan on the team. He has long arms. He might. You might think like, oh, he's a little thin. But then Ulbrich's talking about his anticipation. And there was one play. I don't know if you recall it. There was one play, probably yesterday, in the red zone, and he was on a uh, on a running back, and he just very fluid motions, very smoothly worked with him on an angle route, just knocked down the ball. That was it. It just looked like it was easy for him. And it was like, okay, well, that was interesting. Yeah, I think Albrecht talked about instincts. Yeah, instincts what? and anticipation with Nasruddin. Yeah. And listen, um, this is a very positive staff, but they also don't have to go out of their way um, sometimes. And I don't think he was going out of his way. It's just that these two dudes have already impressed. And I'm sure that staff is very excited to see – what the linebackers can do as a whole because remember C.J. Mosley previously on the official Jets podcast said a lot of raw talent in right. that in that room and a lot of people I think would say linebacker is a question mark for the New York Jets. I, I actually um very excited to see what this group starts out at and then what it becomes down the line. Yeah me too and what I don't I have questions that I want to bring up because, but I'm, I'm tabling them for our training camp okay. preview podcast. Like for example, who's somebody that you could see breaking out in training camp, but we're not going to answer that because I want to save that for training camp. I, I just kind of want to, I want to hit on two more things. One of them is we've mentioned a lot of players, but is there anybody that we have not mentioned that you think has been impressive throughout the spring, whether that's mini camp or OTAs? That's very interesting. Um, I think we always go to the skill position players in the spring just because the nature of 
of being out there in shorts. Um, John Benton, who's the run game coordinator, offensive line coach, um, very complimentary of Elijah Vera Tucker and, you know, just about him being a positive force out there on the field. He's committed to learning the scheme, and he also fits in very well with the guys. And I think people are going to learn more about Elijah Vera Tucker in our podcast profile series. But I think it's like his leadership and intangibles are they're, they're very good at this stage of his career. Yeah. I, listening to Benton talk about Vera Tucker, you, you get the sense it's like, okay, like he's done everything he can up until this point, and the next point is pads. Yeah. So I think the early reviews of AVT have been very positive. You just mentioned the podcast profile series. That's what we've had up our sleeve. That's coming next week or shortly thereafter. So I don't want to give too many details because we'll hear from that in a bit. But let's just wrap up with this. What's next for the Jets in terms of that might seem like a silly question because there's literally nothing on tap here for the next month on the football field. But you know, what do you think the next step in the evolution of an extremely young team that by all accounts seems extremely hungry, what's the next step in their process as they inch closer to week one at Carolina? You got me thinking your last question. What do you think about Hassel's spring? Without Marcus May being here for most of spring, he came here for mandatory minicamp, was out there in the acclimation period. LaMarcus Joyner, of course, running with the ones. He's going to give you a lot of versatility in defensive backfield. Um, but at the safety position, Ashton Davis coming off surgery, so he mm-hmm. wasn't able to get out there with his reps. What do you think about Hassel and potentially just the depth he can give you at the position? JT Hassel, I think, had a nice spring, like a quietly nice yeah. spring. He definitely he had at least one pick, I think two, and definitely two. Because one right, of them okay. might have been in seven on seven. Yeah, okay, right? definitely yeah. two. And then I, I thought he had a nice spring, and I think he took advantage of opportunities at the at his position. And I, I don't want to compare it to Berrios, but like Berrios also took advantage of reps at his position. You mentioned That's a good point. You mentioned him earlier, but you know he, he became a a frequent target of Zach Wilson. He wasn't just a guy who like flashed a couple days. Like Berrios, I think was a little more consistent with his production but also you know it's not like there were a ton of interceptions in the spring and I feel like JT Hassel definitely had the most so I, I'm I'm interested I'm interested to see how he performs with pads what on. did you think and we and again I'm not trying to get too far off tangent here but what did you think about the rookie cornerback from Oregon State Isaiah Dunn yes I I, I was going to mention Pinnock actually okay because I both of those guys could make a push in camp. Those yeah. are the guys that you want to watch, right? When the pads come on and see yeah, their physicality. Yeah, that, and and like I, I I'm really excited to see who emerges from that rookie cornerback crop. Yeah. So I thought Isaiah. I don't want to get too much into it because I want to table some of it for the preview. Okay, but Dun, uh, but, but but Dunn was impressive. Can we say that Albrick did say the other day that yes. he's not only got the potential to push for a roster spot, but maybe push for playing time right. right off the bat. And Ulbricht said that the Jets almost drafted him. Yep. They ended up going in a different direction, and they were surprised and ecstatic that he was available 
in undrafted free agency. Yeah, so I'm, I wanted to give uh, fair credit to a couple names because you're saying, that, you know, we've devoted a lot of time talking about the draft class, and to be honest with How you. How about Jabari Zuniga? Also, I think, an underrated, impressive spring. Uh, I'd agree with that. Got to the quarterback, showing some explosion. Wow, that defensive line has – it's really deep. And what are the, how are the numbers going to shake out? Once, yeah. he, once a couple of these guys get back on the field and taking those reps, namely Quinn and Williams coming off the minor surgery and also Sheldon Rankins. And Foley. Part, yep, Foley got banged up a little bit early on minor in uh, OTA sessions. But you got Rankins, too, on the inside. So, um, you know. I think Vinny Curry is going to be a big presence for this team as well. The numbers <laughs> game is super interesting, yeah, especially it's, up front. I'll tell right. you what. So, um, and it's June seventeenth that we're having this conversation. Granted, like, you know things crystallized in the month of July, but you know, right now it, it's like a fun exercise to go through the roster and be like, okay, how many defensive linemen you think are on the fifty-three man roster? And then start naming names. You start running out of finger. You know, you start running out of digits on your hands yeah. when you're going through it. So. It's a fun little exercise, but, you know, we, we got a month until things start to uh, get a little more crystallized. So like uh, what you said from now until training camp, for for those guys, we'll watch from afar and see if Zach Wilson does indeed follow through, which I imagine he will. He probably has that all set up. Yep. I'm sure those guys got plane trips already booked somewhere. And probably no, somewhere warm, although it, I would like I, – I, I would – if I were a receiver – I want to go to Utah. I wouldn't mind bit, going to Utah. A little I bit want, different. I wouldn't mind going to Southern California either. Me neither. Just as long as I don't have to drive there. But what about uh, you? I Not feel drive like, from New Jersey. Just drive in yeah. Southern California. <laughs> uh, I feel like it's probably going to be a warm weather state, whether that's – I feel like it's always either California or Florida. Well, John Beck's – his base operations, I think, 3D QB is in Huntington Beach. Right. That doesn't mean that they have to go to L.A., Sure, Zach could have him in Utah, you know? Well, I'm thinking, like, where are these skill guys from, right? So you think Florida could be? Yeah, I don't remember where Corey Day. Oh, he's Illinois. Okay. So that's, like, center of America-ish, right? right? Denzel Mims, Texas center. So he's, you know, they can go either way. But then I'm thinking, like, Pirine, Cole, Ty. I don't know where Ty Johnson's from. And then um, – who else we got? Coleman. I don't know. I just feel like it's going to end up being Florida. That's my guess. Okay. Um, but uh, what do these guys have to do? I mean, Robert Sala, who is a father of seven, said, I can't wait to spend some time with my kids. Obviously, it's been a whirlwind year for him, considering you're the defensive coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers. You lose 50% of your guys. You're still able to lead them to a top 10 ranking which was an amazing coaching job. You get the judge job in January, so then you have to get everything together here, and he's just been running. He's just been running. So hell of a time to wind down a little bit. He said, though, when I'm not spending time with the kids and I'm not at the pool or at the golf course, I'll be watching film. Um, so we, we got to try to get on the course with him. Uh, he sounds way too good for us. Yeah, I know. But, you know, we, we, we could caddy for him. I, I think he probably shoots in the 80s. Yeah. Um, but it, installations, right? The installations we're in. So it's a lot of review. And then from a personnel perspective, uh, the two positions I'm watching right now, you know, there's been some talks that the Jets could have some interest at the tackle position, which we'll follow here over the next couple of days. But, uh, cornerback and quarterback right uh, 
it, it seems likely we're headed to Zach Wilson starting in week one against the Carolina Panthers. That seems extremely likely. I think the team did take the right approach during the spring getting James Morgan and Mike White those backup reps. Um, but could a veteran be in the cards here prior to training camp or right at the start of training camp? Same thing with the cornerback position. We talked about Dunn. We talked about Pettock. We talked about Brandon Eccles. We talked about MC Squared. Um, you got a lot, a lot of young dudes. Um, bless Austin was dealing with a minor injury. Uh, we saw Bryce Hall. He's going to be competing for a position on the outside, uh, some playing time on the outside. But do you think the Jets add a veteran corner here at some point? It's, it's a young group. It, it's – I think the easy answer is yes, yes. right? But yeah. listening to Sala today, it makes you pump the brakes a little bit because he's talking about how Pete Carroll told him once, like, you can't be afraid to play young guys, and they like the group they have, they like the guys they added, but I feel like when push comes to shove, there's probably going to be a veteran face in there. I, I looked this up today. The oldest cornerback on the roster is Justin Hardy, who mm. doesn't really play cornerback, and after that – is Corey Ballantyne and Elijah Campbell. Both of those dudes are 25. So, I mean, you're talking about a young group. You're also talking about an inexperienced group because the guys that I just mentioned are not named Bless Austin and Bryce Hall, who are the two guys who started the most and played the most last year out of anybody else on this cornerbacks group. Uh, very good point. we got to monitor both of those situations. Uh, there are position groups here that have plenty of depth. Like in years past, we look at coming full circle here. We would look at the wide receiver position. Like, hey, are the Jets going to add somebody? Now you're wondering as you go down the list and look at the roster, you're like, how many guys are they going to keep in right, that yeah. position? Mm -hmm. Right? And awesome point that you just made about Sala today. Thought he was fantastic. He always is. He's so cerebral. You definitely like the freight train thing at the end. Uh, yeah. I, I did. But when he mentioned Pete Carroll, who, what, Salo was there in 2011, I think that's right? Mm hmm and, and you just mentioned, uh, Pete Carroll, you can't be afraid to play young guys. They're hell on wheels, and they're fun to watch. You could go either way. Just mentally, there's so many things they can learn, but they're going to be ups and downs as part of youth. And that's going to be part of the New York Jets 2021 season. There are going to be ups, and they're going to be downs. But this is a young roster that has been really turned over. And the coaching staff, I thought, did a fine job this spring. And I think the guys are buying in. It's a very good vibe out there. Um, you know, but as solid cautions, we won't know our identity until we go through those tough times together and how are we going to respond to adversity. Right now, everything's good as you finish the spring. Knock on glass. Jets came out of this relatively healthy as well. So, so, I was reaching over to knock on the wood. There you go. Hey, you found a piece of wood there. But so. uh, I will say what I liked more than his identity answer was someone asked him, what do you want your identity to be? And he was like, I can't answer that because he used a couple different examples. He was talking about Don Shula, yep. defensive-minded head coach, or he was talking about how that, that Dolphins defense was their identity. Then Dan Marino comes along. Then it changes. Then he was talking about the same thing with the Patriots. 
Patriots defense, Bill Belichick, Willie McGinnis, Teddy Bruschi, that whole team, then Tom Brady comes along, changes the identity and the dynamic. So We don't know right now, and the great point that I'm going to ask you is, if you're playing tomorrow, which you're not, <laughs> which you're not, make that clear. Who's further ahead, the Jets offense or the Jets defense? That's a great question. Not playing each other, just as far as a group is concerned. I think it's hard to answer because I think a lot of the guys we have not seen. Mm. The Quinn Williams. Quinnen, Marcus. Yeah. Well, no, I I was even just going to say Quinnen, May, Lawson, Rankins, Mm. Foley. Like, those are the guys who I want to see line up and how that defense looks. And I'm sure once they do line up, the defense might have an edge. But if you were to tell me tomorrow – I might give the edge to the offense. Hmm. What would you say? And, and typically, I would say this time of year, the edge goes to the defense. Yeah, I, I just think there's a misconception about the offense, too, and Benton talked about it the other day, that the West Coast offense used to be considered a finesse offense. Well, he said on first and second down, these guys are attacking. And they're attacking either in the run game from an offensive line perspective or they're attacking with a play-action game. So these offensive linemen, I think are really going to enjoy the system. Um, and it, so you're asking me, I thought there was a good back and forth, but these, me too. They, but these two groups aren't playing against each other. I just feel like if the Jets can figure out ways to score, um, and I think they're going to be a hell of a lot more production, productive than they were last year, is this defense – might be able to tee off and mostly talk to us about it. I think it's imperative. Yeah, everybody's going to be like, oh, yeah, of course you want to play with this, a play with a lead. But the way they want to create chaos up front, I really think they might be able to dictate to teams if they can get this offense started early in the season. Yeah, I'm excited to see what happens. And we got a long way until the end of August and the early parts of September. But right now, minicamp is in the books training camp a month away and you know we'll be back for the training camp preview but until then enjoy the podcast profile series that's all we have for this episode of the official jets podcast